Welcome to the Friendly Geordies podcast. I hope everyone had a good couple of weeks. I am feeling I'm better, in case you were asking. And I got my feet out because everyone got pissed that Jordan has hit, had his feet out last week. So I'm joining the party. Hey, yeah. Become, Glad you're feeling a quota because I'm self conscious about that now. So I'm holding <laughs> it up. But yeah. I still can't be bothered to put shoes on. Yeah, fair enough. Because just remember, this is a studio, but it's also like. Where he lives. So. <laughs> you like that? Look at those arches. Dude, but no, stop pointing out. Bell, and my feet are fucked. Hey, we figured out that's the reason he walks like a duck. Yeah, I think that's oh, why. Really? Look at those arches. Yeah, dude. look at it. No, but the arches are good. You I remember wearing your so. shoes I once. I think so, dude. I wore your shoes once. Yeah. And it I was like putting on you. someone with like really bad eyesight <laughs> in their glasses. <laughs> All right, look, let's start, let's start with the first... So look, I was away last week, but it was ill. I saw the greatest performance ever. Mm. It was a true scene. Sir, Sir Paul Keating mm-hmm. slam dunking all of Australia and Canada and Britain while he's at it. Mm-hmm. Dude, how good was it? I mean, uh, I was, was watching it perfect. because obviously he was saying exactly what I felt, except that I had sh- stopped saying it because people were getting so aggressive towards me. <laughs> but someone like Paul Keating said, I'm like, yeah, baby, bring it on. Did you guys watch it? Yeah, yeah look, I Remember did. how we summed it up before, and I know people get angry at this word, but it just needs to be said in this one context. Allow me this. Good vibes. P- good vibes. <laughs> Such good vibes. Mad good vibes. Dude, the vibes were on. Uh, <laughs> on point vibes. On point vibes. But, man. First off, Paul Keating, in this current media environment where you can just go out on YouTube, he'd crush. It wouldn't matter what the press said because everyone would just watch his uh, speeches for entertainment. So I think that he would absolutely blitz in an election now. Second... It was amazing to watch because you thought, God damn, it's like if Trump wasn't retarded. Mm, it is a bit like that. Yeah. Isn't it? He's what a, a killer combo. And he's not only retarded, really if Trump was a genius. If Trump was a genius. Yeah. Yeah. But everything else remains constant. Just him being a fucking genius. Just as funny. Just as charismatic, well, yeah. knows more than everyone else in the yeah. country. We'll, we'll go into his performance, but just for those of you, some of some of the people that might be watching right now probably haven't seen the the press conference that we are talking about. I highly doubt that in our yeah, graphic, I think everyone's yeah, seen it. Everyone's but, seen, but let's look at some of the claims that he that yeah. Paul Keating has made. Firstly, that there's only one bloke pay, paying for it. Out of all those people that that San Diego show, only Kabuki one person's show. playing for paying for it. Okay, so Point Loma. I actually looked it up. He is largely tr- uh, accurate. So what's happening is no, don't spoil our fun. No, no, I'm not. I'm not because he's right. I just because I want uh, I want to get the gotcha people out of there. Right. So uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, obviously, U.S. is manufacturing. The submarines, right? Mm-hmm. So all of our money is essentially going to their companies. Then you've got the British that are providing some of the um, the IT related things and some operating softwares for the machine, and and then we are also doing similar to what the UK is doing, but only in very small doses. And that's mostly because we don't 
necessarily have the capability to do most of the other shit. So Paul Keating was largely accurate in this sense. Because if you look at it, on one hand, you've got the US, which is getting the bulk of that $380 billion. So much. Then you've got some money going to the UK, which, let's be real, is now... You know how the UK has become the poorest country in Western Europe now? Is it? Really? Yes. No. UK, UK is doing horribly. They're in a recession. They Shit. Essentially what they and did was... And they've got an Indian at the head. Coincidence? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not that. No, no, no. None of that. They've got a Pakistani as a mayor in London. Coincidence? Yeah, yeah. It was all his fault. Well, at least we got to the bottom of that. And, of course, Ali's got nothing to say on it because he knows it's I don't, true. I'm not going to say anything about the Indian guy because <laughs> yeah. you can joke about that. I can't. I don't think that's UK's problem. Just going to put it out there. Um, but well, essentially, like, yeah, Margaret Thatcher deindustrialized them and now they're at a point after getting out of the European Union where they have no industry. All the money that was being recycled in City of London uh, from Europe is slowly drying up. Part of it due to the recession, part of it that they're not even part of the European Union anymore. So it's essentially a failing. Okay, it's harsh, but it's kind of a failing economy. Really awesome. And we're Sucky. depending on these guys so to help us kick butt. No, but that's what you get for re-electing the Tories for like fifteen oh, years. Oh, I thought it was yeah. So there's the there's the economic cost of it, but then the main argument is is obviously. Whether this strategy of AUKUS is even effective in countering Chinese aggression. Mm. And I think I'm not going to add anything different to it. Sir Paul made a very compelling argument of how essentially like what the nuclear submarines are doing is that we're being we're becoming part of the US's containment strategy, right? So instead of protecting Australia weren't we enough already? Yeah, we Uh were, but like now it's shit's getting real because Uh what we're with these submarines, they're like, how do you defend some uh the Australian coast with like three submarines and like people that made this decision, that wasn't even their purpose. Their purpose was to essentially fill a hole in the US strategy to yeah. essentially down or obliterate China yeah. before they even we'll get to take We'll defend ourselves water. before there's a reason to defend ourselves. Exactly, That's the defense right? policy so now. I think we should be honest about that aspect of it. There is an argument that some of those maniacs in like Aspie people make that the best way to protect us is through that. Because by the time they get to deep war, it's too late for us. But this it's is not, not true. It's not true. And also, it, and also like how... Uh, you know, Orwellian is it to say preemptive strikes is defensive. You're just, it's just a nice way of saying you're the aggressor. It's It's not even, (laughs) preemptive strike makes more sense. Look, okay, if the preemptive strike is that China has nuclear missiles that are headed straight towards Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane, and they and we decide maybe we need to have our own missiles and destroy it before it gets to us. That is somewhat an effective preemptive strategy. But when your strategy isn't even about a threat that is over here, your preemption is that we're going to attack them when they are fucking around with the Philippines. What's your interest with the Philippines? No, absolutely not. Mm. It's like someone mm. actually uploaded mm. a clip of Utopia, that TV show, mm. where they're talking about a press conference and they're saying, okay, to all the defense guys in Australia saying, who is our main threat? They're like, oh, yes. Asia. Yeah. It, 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 it's in Asia Pacific. They're like, uh, can you elaborate? Indo Pacific. Now, you just broadened it even more. Can you be specific? Is it 
Okay, I'm going to say China. If you agree not, China. What are we protecting ourselves from? Uh, is it the trade? So, yep, that's, we're protecting ourselves from the trade. Okay. Who's our biggest trading partner? <laughs> China. So we're protecting our trade from China with China. <laughs> yep. And that's the sort so of true. moronic yeah. utopian world that we've gone to. And where anyone says anything. And Keating shredded in real time. Oh, dude, yeah. It Remember that when really someone pointed it out and they said, well, you know, we've got to defend ourselves. We're like China's done some pretty aggressive stuff by putting on trade tariffs. It's yeah. like, are you kidding me? That's a reason to buy yeah. nuclear submarines yeah. because they put a trade tariff on us? And that, that was... Yeah. It was he's like, that's so good it, because it yeah, just like, validated everything in Art Lee that we've been saying on this pod for years. And Keating just did it in obviously a much better, less dumb way than we did. And he also... So precision. I love it because he spoke he in a so manner cool. that actually the common Australian would also understand. Exactly. Because when he was speaking, I was like, is that Paul Keating or is that the old man I met at Ballingen Pub? Couldn't yeah. tell the difference. Yeah. yeah. But the I love his intertwining of old twin expressions. Why doesn't he just go on that news press club weekly? He could have a podcast. He's so good. He should well, just do it every week and be like, no, because time he's a serious man. Well, I don't like that. Neither should, do I. Just, I like him. He should, he should become like a... He's so charismatic. He should just go on everywhere. He's like, time to shred the press again. He would, he would be number, he'd, he'd be number one in the country. Yeah. He'd be so like, good. Like, I'm going to re-watch Easily. that. Who re-watches a press club? I'm going to re Watch that again. Dude, but the I'm way ahead of you, Miss. Value. I'm going to re 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 watch yeah. it. And, just, and I, I was actually re listening to it when I was coming for the pod. And one of the things that he mentioned that I missed the last time I watched it was that he was saying that the, the, the press isn't privy to this. But I know that after the uh, French uh, submarine fiasco, they offered Australia fixed price. Yeah, for nuclear submarines, because initially it was diesel, right? And one of the talking points was, we need nuclear, we don't need diesel. They offered Australia after that to repair that contract. They said, we're going to provide you with the cutting edge uh, yeah. nuclear submarines. And the difference was, with the American one, was that it, was, it used only 5% enriched uranium, as opposed to 95% enriched uranium, which means that it's doesn't, it doesn't hold like a, a, a nuclear missile threat. To it, but it still provides the same function, which is the unlimited power thing that you're yeah, talking that's about. Crazy. And and it makes sense because US, surprise, surprise, their nuclear technology is just to blow shit up. They don't care about civilian <sighs> uses of it. When you have infinite oil, infinite air, infinite solar, you don't need nuclear. You're you're satisfied. And so but France, on the other hand, has been working on nuclear technology for a long time for civilian uses. And we still said no because it was it's that's simple. Crazy. We can't say no. That's crazy. And this is a bit of an oxymoron because I also recognize the fact that had Albanese opposed AUKUS before the elections... He wouldn't have got in. He wouldn't have gotten in. Yes, definitely. And so you're, and, and it's not even the end of it. John, I was talking to you about this. This is what I really want to talk about because what's happened now is a lot of people like us who believed exactly what Paul Keating was saying, maybe couldn't articulate in as boss of a matter as he did, but we're quiet because we're like, maybe maybe our hunch is wrong. Maybe we're missing something over here. So I'm going to keep quiet, even though it doesn't seem right to me. But I'll let some of the big boys make these decisions. And now, after listening, it was like, no, we were right. They are wrong. Like, they've been wrong about so many strategic decisions in the last century and even leading up to now. And But 
saying anything means that you're like I was watching Ben Fodum say, you know what his mm. take was like Paul Keating is sitting on a stack of cash and he looks at it and goes, how can I say anything against China when I've got so much money in my Potts Pound apartment mansion? I don't know what the fuck apartment mansion is, but apartment mansion. And and then he ends up by saying, like, is Paul Keating even batting for Team Australia anymore? <laughs> Like, dude, shut the fuck Didn't up. Didn't he clarify Such that? All he yeah. said was that he wants a different strategy to, uh, to the naval aggression. His strategy was way more patriotic. Way better, His right? strategy defend. was, let's defend. buy a bunch of submarines so we can actually defend yeah. the coast. Yeah. And submarines that are designed to defend Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Let's Collins. buy that instead. And, uh, yeah, the Collins one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like talking about the man, as he pointed out, that created like this, the, the strategic block that actually makes sense between us, which is us and Indonesia. Yes. And you're saying that that guy's anti-Australian, anti-patriotic, and uh, Corrupt. You know, is secretly trying to get China to invade Australia. And it's <laughs> like, it's like, you couldn't do anything more. As he was saying, like it's never going to happen anyway. They're never going to invade Australia. It's such a stupid, paranoid fantasy to begin with. But the second thing on top of that is like, you want to provoke them into starting a military conflict, a really good way is containing them with a bunch of terrifying nuclear subs yeah. with the capacity to wipe out a city with a single torpedo. Which, by the way, these nuclear subs... No, no, subs no, they, they can't even missile. do that. Huh? They're not even nuclear missiles. They can wipe out, like, a uh, boat shed. They're, like, not good no, no, missiles. They, they, they're, they're pretty fucking boss missiles, but... I thought they were piss weak. No, no, like, he's, he's saying, like, cause th their argument is, oh, yeah, we're not going to be uh, arming them with nuclear weapons. But they have the capacity to do it, and that's oh, and, and China is right. Right. But you right, think right, right. you think Xi Jinping's an idiot? Yeah. You think that guy doesn't get it? And yeah. when like literally all of this activity is happening off like a few kilometers off their coast. Yeah. Not South ours. China Sea. And his point that we've been trying to make on this podcast for years, but again, he just made it so succinct and on point, which is. Let's be honest about this. There is no chance whatsoever of China invading the US. They don't have the military capacity. They've got a huge ocean that they would have to get a land army across without the most powerful military defence force ever created uh, detecting them to get over onto their sides and then fight a, the most powerful military on a land battle. Uh, let's be honest about this. China's great strategic sin is that they dared have a GDP the size of America's. Mm. Yeah, facts. That's what it's about. Fact. Facts. Absolute fact. It's straight... Oh. But, like, okay, here's what I actually wanted to discuss with you, Jordan, because what's, I think what's happened is, as great as it is, this is probably not good news for Labour Party, because what's happened is, like I said, people that had similar views but were, sh were quiet for whatever reasons, either they didn't want to get cancelled, they didn't want to be thrown out of the party, or they were just maybe a little unsure of whether their strategy is right, yeah. are now all switching. As we speak, yeah. a lot of these, and they might be low-level Labour members or they might be like, you know... It had that uh, much of an effect, you reckon? I think it has an effect. It's already had an effect. If you look at the public sentiment, not I watched their uh, upload on Sky. I watched their upload on Project. I watched their upload on Seven. All of these platforms, whoever had their comments on, not a single person, whether it be a Sky watcher or a Project watcher, whatever was disagreeing with Paul Keating. They all were agreeing with him and they were all slamming and the, the mainstream were all media. Slamming Paul. And you look at the mainstream media uh, uh, narrative of it, not a single story, aside from maybe Guardian, which took a neutral view of it, not a single news organization throughout this country, small, medium, or big, 
said anything that was about what Paul Keating was saying. They all said he uh, ignores uh, genocide, uh, has uh, Chinese uh, business interests, all personal attacks. Mm. Not even like I'm not even saying that you and agree with personal him. attacks that yeah. aren't even true. While he just like he burrowed into it. every single one of those scumbags <laughs> when but, they asked him a question. But what I'm saying and is was like, able to rip this. Well, they don't have a soul, but if they had a soul, it could rip it out. And this like containment <laughs> strategy of China, this war is just at its infancy. As we move forward, right, two three years from now, maybe when Albo is looking to get reelected, more and more. And my view is that more and more Australians are going to look through this when they start seeing the repercussions of joining the strategic offensive are going to start realizing that maybe we don't want to do this. In which case, there's going to be split in the Labour Party where there's going to be one faction that agrees with Paul Keating and the other faction which agrees with big business and, you know, the war uh, mongering. Whereas the Liberal Party will not have that divide. Absolutely. Maybe not. a few, because maybe at the grassroots level, some people might oppose it. Mm. because even their population is going to be a bit oblivious, but their population is definitely not going to listen to left-wingers talk smack mm. about AUKUS. Mm. Mm. So I think there's going to be a split in the Labour Party and there won't be a split in the Liberal Party, which means that I think Labour Party might get voted out. Shit. Well, the polling so far, because I was looking at it afterwards, and they said that still about a third of Australians think that AUKUS is awesome. Oh, so the minority. One, yeah. Actually, I was looking at the polling no, today as well. No, 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 no. Most of them are indifferent. Uh, and about 17% think it's a bad I'll tell you the idea. exact bad. figures. One of the poll was 28% say it's bad. Yeah. Oh, really? is bad. 27% say AUKUS is good. Uh, sorry. AUKUS is bad, but China is a threat. And 26% say AUKUS is good and China is bad and agree with the strategy. Which means a majority of Australians today as we speak is either completely against it like us, which is, by the way, a majority, when you look at the different factions within that polling, 28%, the largest number, say bad. 27% say bad, but we still agree with the uh, with having like a strong military and naval force against China, which, which we can also come to terms with. Like, honestly, if someone was to say, we need a be better navy, it was like, yeah, I, I, can, I can agree with that. Our fleet is aging. We do need a better, uh, we need more submarines. However, we don't need to create these eight-ton giant big dick submarines. They're equivalent to a Ferrari's. As I was uh, reading uh, an, an ex-Navy guy who wrote for Michael West on this topic, he was saying, this is equivalent to getting a Ferrari. I have been on one of these yeah, nuclear a, submarines. A Ferrari 30 I love years them. from now. I, being 30 built years today. from now. He said, I love them. They're really cool. But they're not good naval. Like if you gave it to me for fun, I love it. It's got it can it can travel fast. It can travel lights. for long. There's a disco. It's in got dis there. disco lights. But he's like, <laughs> if someone was to ask me when you're finding it difficult to pay your mortgage, should I buy a Ferrari or should I buy a Toyota Corolla? I'm gonna say buy a fucking Toyota Corolla, Corolla. because yeah, it will do the trick. Yes, you take that advice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, oh. You know, he didn't say anything about Lambo. <laughs> he definitely has a Toyota Corolla. No, I do you're have right. a Toyota Corolla. I didn't know it was a... Uh, I didn't know that there were... Dude, everything Keating said was just like, how do you even argue with it? Because he's not even saying we don't need a Navy. He's saying we need well, more he, Navy ships just to stay around mm. to yes. defend Australia. It's yes, but he so did admit to... the actual crutch of the issue. So let, 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 let's talk about brass tacks here. Give me that. 
Um, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, damn yeah, it. I don't know where it is either. In my fix. Anyways, continue, yeah. Yeah, continue. He identified it perfectly, which is this twofold happening uh, for why Anthony Albanese agreed to this, which is, and this is absolutely true, you do not want to fight the Liberal Party hey. on defence at all. You don't want to give Oosh. them a... Skerrick of oxygen in that argument. You just have to match whatever the Liberal Party say because if the press can run Labor's week on defence, they're going to lose the election. That is a cold political calculation that he admitted and he was saying Penny Wong did the small target strategy thing which is absolutely politically the right move. You cannot argue that. If you're arguing that, you're one of those dumbass... 18-year-olds that's going to be writing in the comments and saying, and you stand up against imperialism and shit. It's just like, dude, shut up and walk into the real world for a second and you'll realise like, you have like, to make these decisions. Make this is, this yourself is available decision. to be that guy that gets drowned by the fucking Chinese warship. Because we only have three. Yeah. It's going to get down. And then if unless you're in that fucking sub, then you can't propagate for war. I hate civilians being like, where we need to fight, we need to... You're not doing any yeah, of this. Yeah, get up and do it You then. have no idea what the repercussions are. You're just a horny, dopamine-induced person who <laughs> likes the idea, I'm going to go and fight. Yeah. I'm so, not yeah. even... My even, people and also, are this is the other thing. Always, This is the other thing. Every time anyone argues with me about defence, you can tell that they're not even thinking about it from a political or strategic ramification. It's always just a hard-on on the technology of like, yeah, this can really fuck a country I up. Hate, that, that's I always hate those that. YouTube channels. When I started getting into the end of the world and reading about hyper... One more hit. Yeah. Hypersonic missiles. I was reading about hypersonic nuclear weapons and shit and uh, this, I stumbled on some YouTube guy's page. He was like, I'm an ex-army guy and I'm going to... And you can just tell he had the, a hard-on for the technology and I was like... So boring. <laughs> it's no, it's like so, shut the fuck up. It's like, and also the, on the top TT of that, it's like, like it's it's so lame. It's the same as people that are obsessed with trains. It's quite loserly. Yeah. But the thing is, it, it was it, it is the right political move. Paul Keating identified that and said that that is exactly why the Labor Party did it. Also, on top of that, like our international standing has been trashed by reneging on the agreement with the French, which is another reason to do it. Which I'll give them. Uh, but really, honestly, it's it's a lot of the time, I think, with Paul Keating, it's like he is absolutely right, but he's still wrong. And I think it is because he's from the 80s and he was dealing with Reagan, who actually had dementia unlike Joe Biden, <laughs> who was actually a moron, and Hawke and Keating used to be able to get one around him quite frequently. On top of that... The Americans were nowhere near as hawkish as they are now because, as he identified, China had the GDP of Luxembourg at the time. They, they were not a threat remotely in any economic capacity against the Americans. They didn't have the infrastructure to deny them resources like they do now. And so they weren't really interested in what happened in our backyard. They still wanted things like, you know, give us this military base, you can't nationalise the mines and things like that. And again, this is real politics. You just have to accept that these things happen in the real world, right? Like, they are the empire. They call the shots. I get that part. Today is a completely different strategy. And it is the same thing. Uh, you hear this with Paul Keating all the time 
when it comes to media bias. He says things like, "Yeah, you just have to be a big bastard around, uh, you know, Rupert Murdoch, and he'll 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 sway your way because he knows who's boss." Back in the day, yes, but now Rupert Murdoch is so much more senile and stringent in his view of the world. That doesn't work anymore. You can't just boss Rupert Murdoch into submission. It's beyond that. Look, okay, I first of all, let's 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 say what you're saying is absolutely correct. Wait, so that means we just sleepwalk into a fucking world war? Like Yeah. Yeah. But you have to do that. You have to What else can you do? You're saying what other political calculation can you make? You have to nuke China in order to like get by. But let's be honest about this, right? Like, it's made the world a lot more dangerous. I agree with that entirely. I agree that Paul Keating is on the money. He's correct. The world is already in more danger. What we're saying is, like, what's the best scenario for us? But this is the thing. Because the worst scenario... Okay, he's done that. Yes, Anthony Albanese signed up and made that. What he's also not getting credit for is he made Kevin Rudd the ambassador to the US. And that is a very critical move in all of these calculations because already when Kevin Rudd had his own think tank set up, nobody knows this, but he was sitting there working out things that are creating hot-button issues between China and America and just inflaming all of the political tension against them. And he came across really simple things that America and China can do as uh, 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 like just even in like the translation of when they're talking to each other in Mandarin and English and saying use these words instead of these words like the Chinese find this extremely offensive and saying it to China like you're using this word that's very offensive in English so just let's let's make the language a lot more neutral right. let's talk about that he's also saying all the time he's always going look I get that you're you've got getting all this posturing over in, in like the China Sea, South China Sea, right? Yes, I get that that's the case. Let's just create more delegations about climate change because you have similar goals on that. Let's move it towards these things where you have similar goals and saying, let's set up these forums together. So they're talking about things that they can cooperate on. He was doing this when he was part of his own independent... It's actually known in circles of sane people across the world as Good Aspie because it was called like the Australian Pacific... Strategy Institute or something like that, but it had the same thing as Aspie, right? It had the same name, whereas Aspie is just a a lobby group for American military hardware in Australia. But he was doing that out of government. He got that guy in government in Washington where he can go to the president on a daily basis and talk to Joe Biden. So he is de-escalating tension a lot. But at the same time, like it's, it's... I did remember reading... And I can't remember the person that said this, but it was actually a genius idea, which is, it's, it's like, you have to think of the $380 billion submarine investment. Not a, you're not buying subs out of that. You're not <laughs> subs. You're not buying, you're not buying submarines. Yeah. No, they're called subs. You're not buying Aiden Rosses. <laughs> Meatballs. <laughs> yeah, you're not or, buying subways. No, you're always got to go the fish, uh, the chicken fillets. But anyway, and South, uh, Southwest sauce. George, you know what, what you are yeah. buying, though, is... You're getting the Americans and the British off your back. Okay, That's what you're doing. You are I'm... getting rid of a bunch of tension. Oh. Now, on top of that, you don't have a Labor government in. Let's just take away all of the horrendous decisions that are being made on a governmental basis on a daily level, which is just making the country worse. Economically, health, uh, 
you know, education, all the big stuff, right? Like that, that is just progressively getting worse in this country. You are also not having in Penny Wong, who is talking to the Indo, uh, the, the, the Pacific Islands and making them uh, more in line with our strategic goals. You're also not getting any action whatsoever on climate change. There is a lot of calculations in this. Like when, when you're always talking about specific policy, it's very easy to just hyper-focus on that instead of looking at the big picture of what's happening here. And I think that, dude, nation building, as a wise man once said, talking about Paul Keating, is a tough caper. It, it is filled with terrible devil's bargains all the time that you have to make. Dude, I don't That's know. That's the real world. It's like ideologue I, versus pragmatic. This is, we've just sneaked our way into a Mexican standoff that we weren't a part of where everyone had their guns pointed at each other and we slowly slid in to protect ourselves and yes. now we're holding the guns as well. Yes. So we're part of it. We're part of it. If the gun goes... Let's, let's talk about this though. Let's talk about this well. though, Ali. We've, talk, we've talked our way into the Mexican standoff. The Mexican standoff was going to happen anyway. But we didn't Albanese, have to be part of it. Albanese would not win government if he didn't sign up onto okay, the order. Okay, okay, okay. He uh, now, absolutely wouldn't sign. He wouldn't have won because the the press would have just run on weak on defence, weak on defence, and he can't remember the fucking employment rate or whatever it was. <laughs> and, and so, so how could you trust him? Like the big issue. Stop skirting around the big issue. You get the liberals back in. They'd still fund it. And on top of that, you would have a bunch of incompetent warmongers with their finger on the button. Okay, you're saying what we have is a false choice. And I, okay, even if I, I'll agree with you on that point. However, I am afraid of something. And I'm more, as time passes on, I fear that this might be the case, which is that Albanese, Penny Wong, when they have come into government, all of a sudden, their news or their information has completely changed. They're now listening to sec uh, security briefings, classified information, which obviously we're not privy to. The problem with that is that it is always given by fucking warheads who want nothing but to like fight because that's how they justify their existence. That's <laughs> why they invaded Fuck. Iraq. That's brutal. It's because like... Bush was being told by everyone in the public not to do this. We don't want this. Millions of people across Western capitals around the world marched against war in Iraq. Bush said yes. And you know, because Bush is, even though Bush, in hindsight, after watching a lot of his stuff after retirement, is actually a really nice guy. What happened Chaney, was that Chaney. he was given bad information by security dickheads. Mm. And I think the same might be happening to the Labour government. And at mm. some point, you forget what was what's wrong and what's right. So even when you came into office, you had a different perspective of how you want to go about it. Maybe you're like, I'll be the sane voice in this chaotic world. I'll be the Kevin Rudd saying like, hey, maybe don't use this word in Mandarin. Maybe don't. But then slowly, you forget what you were standing and you're now into, you have the same threat perceptions as all these security guys. And you're like about to launch a nuclear a strike at one of the submarines in China because you think there's no way out of it. Yes. That's a scary proposition. Yeah, it's terrifying. In which, yes. I don't know if Albo is that. I th I fear that he might be that person now where he, he, his heart is in the right place, but he's been given such shitty information that he thinks that there is no other option but to attack. I think just the fact that he put in <laughs> Kevin Rudd as the ambassador means he knows what's going on. Dude, I fear he's that about Kevin Rudd too. He's been pushing behind the scenes about Kevin getting Rudd Assange out of prison. Like he, he's 
he knows what's happening here. He's not an idiot. And on top of that, it's it's I go back to the point, like Penny Wong being uh you know at that table as opposed to Peter Dutton. Yeah, that's better. Love come that. on, it is night and day. Like she's so much more like way less hawkish hawkish way more competent well it depends what you mean by competent but Dutton is an evil man (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't need any convincing on this he's pushing them he's He's pushing them he's the only one that after Paul Keating's press conference he came out and said actually Orcas was my idea yeah exactly dude there you go getting the point wrong no I get that but uh, look I I understand Jesus it's difficult, man. And well, now we'll, let's switch to the other point of why it's difficult. Paul Kading dismantling of the press was glorious in its so own good. right. So good. Amazing. It was insane. And you look at <laughs> And again, like the comparison of that, of someone just sitting there being like, you really should drum yourself out of the profession. You really are the lowest of the low. <laughs> you, should That's just to, you should be minutes. ashamed to, to you show be, your face. I'd be ashamed I'd to show ashamed my face. I'd be ashamed to show Nonsense that you publish that as opposed to Donald Trump sitting there being like, sit down, sit, you're stupid, sit down. I mean, yeah, it's Trump's is glorious enough. Yeah, but yeah. so, but it comes back to your point of like, you didn't have a choice, and maybe you're who right that? that it was either the Liberal Party who were definitely going to do it or the Labour Party who will have to do it, but in a nicer way if they want to get elected. But this is all possible. Because unanimously, all media is on one side. It, with Paul Keating, it was all just personal attacks, not a single uh, uh, point uh, about not, the substance. Not a radio station in Adelaide. Remember those two old biddies? That was cool. Just want to interject. Not uh, all media. J- tell them that. That was really we, sweet. We were just driving around Adelaide and listening to like some local like Betchy and Donner in the afternoon, playing all the hits from 1955 to 1959. Which, Let's be honest, it's just the Beach Boys. <laughs> which is, that's why I was listening to it. And uh, they were just like, Mr. Keating was very upset about everything. And I think he had some very good points. That so, was sick. I mean, and, that was so sweet. Both and that of tells them. you like the average person's sentiment on this. Yes. Because that, like that was like community radio. It was and commu- calling him Mr. Keating. Yeah, that's what... I love how he gets that respect. Most people are just Scott Morrison or ScoMo. Oh, Scomo. Mr. Keating. Everyone yeah, loves everyone him. Everyone calls him Mr. Mr. Keating. And he deserves it. He should yeah. be Sir Keating. But, okay. He wouldn't want to so be what, Sir what Keating. I'm, yeah, what I'm saying is we're stuck in this horrible situation because all of this narrative that is being built by the media, aside from this one honorable <laughs> radio station... Is the dare stand against with, the fray. <laughs> with the reach of maybe like 80,000 passive listeners. But geriatrics. And let's be honest, that's a huge inflation. <laughs> Sorry. It was just us. <laughs> but like this is all possible because... Man, your station has some problems. Tell me about it. You should see our morning, guys. Hello. That was what it was. It was Mole Man in the morning. It was. It was. Sorry, go on. This, all of this is only possible by the con- the media. And the media is doing this because... With social media and eyeballs shifting everywhere, including things like your channel, med- the, war- the corporate media eyes have really diminished, which means that they need sugar daddies all the time. And the sugar daddies are these billionaires. And these billionaires have their vested interests. For example, war with China. And we can't get out of this situation. Because, like, okay, even... You, Jordan, you've made this point that even back in the day, 
rich people own media outlets. It was the same. But the difference was that if you look at all these media organizations, a lot of them were started by journalists that got successful, made their journalism into a corporate entity, hired other journalists, and started publishing news, and they might get some investment from a billionaire. But now, the entire news media system is not run by journalists, it's run by corporates. And they're owned by corporations. And they will always have, they will always keep this hostage. We need something Yeah, but uh, my point every time to this is <laughs> they don't need to be kept hostage. You're giving the journalists that are in this ecosystem too much grace. No, they the, are the journalists have it's a matter for survival to for suck them. cock for money. It's a matter <laughs> for survival. They can't survive. They don't need it though. They think they're money. doing God's work. They've got mortgages, they've got all this if they want to maintain their lifestyle, they have to agree to whatever that their billionaire boss tells them to say. And I'm telling you, no it's out. been no different throughout Australia's entire history. That's always been the case. The only thing that I will agree with you on is it is so much more concentrated and, as I was saying before, you know, <laughs> back in the day, journalists might have held this many cards and their owners held this many cards and now they own this many cards. Right. But, but that's the having problem. said that, though, they are still issue. a bunch of institutionalised drones that actually agree with what they're saying. But, like, look at someone like Murdoch. Murdoch, for all the criticisms against him, Murdoch is essentially... A business-minded journalist. His dad was a journalist. He started off in journalism, and he made his billions, and now he owns the corporations. As bad as Murdoch is, I don't necessarily think that that's the bad. That's the worst thing. What I'm afraid of is that media organizations being owned by fucking Nestle had nothing to do with journalism. Really, I like that more. <laughs> the problem is, Jordan, that they have nothing to do with journalism and all they have is just their vested interest. They don't even keep these journalists, these uh, media houses for money because they're not profitable. No, they it's just a just PR firm it, for Nestle. It's a lobby I would firm. much prefer it being a PR firm for Nestle <laughs> than having like someone honest. like Rupert Murdoch, who is actually <clears throat> journalistically minded, knows the game, is a scumbag like the rest of the journalists are and knows how to push the buttons correctly. Whereas they pretty much buy these institutions for protection and advertising. Yeah, that's what they do. But It's but better. More, but more than advertising, there's better ways to advertise. They're doing it for protection. Yes. They're doing yes. it to make sure that their voice yes. gets heard and that they can no control the sentiment, uh, the pulse of the people. And this is going to be... And, and like this is such a big problem... That it could literally lead to a nuclear war. We've got to do something about this. I think we are. What are we I doing? I think they've lost. Who? Well, as I was saying in a couple of pods before, I think the project a couple of years ago was getting about 600,000, 400,000 views a night. It's now 170,000. That's amazing. Four Corners, that bastion of journalism that everyone's in love with. Fucking hell. A current affair, but not fun. Um, <laughs> it, it <laughs> but that's. The, but you see, that's also that's the problem. That hundred and seventy thousand view means that whichever journalist is getting that rating used to be able to knock some of the stuff back at his editor is now not doing it. He's just essentially a teleprompter. No, let's be honest about this, though, Ali. Any of those journalists left journalism years ago because they have credibility. They're gone. They're all just corporate employees now. There is 
no, uh, you know, journalists sitting there secretly fighting the good fight and getting out their little pieces where they can. That person doesn't exist. But I'm oh, the- sorry, they exist in Adelaide on <laughs> Mole Man FM. But <laughs> if that if that continues, if we don't fix this oh, issue, shit. we're never going to have a truly Labour government. We're either going to have Liberals or we're going to have Labour slash Liberal because that was the only way to do it. Yeah. But I'm saying that social media was at a tipping point a few years ago, and I think that it's winning the war now. I still think that the, what they do is they... The, 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 the problem isn't so much the lack of eyeballs on mainstream media as the fact that it is just this corcophony that still get to decide what the national mood and sentiment is. It really doesn't matter if they're getting 30,000 people watching. All of them combined have their little 30,000 that they get and they all talk to their friends. And also just the fact that you are getting wall-to-wall reporting of something makes everyone think about it. Again, it is the truest thing. This is the man that set up journalism. Walter Lippmann, again, from the propaganda wing in World War I of America, set up how modern journalism is, which is a part of the inception to call them journalists when they were propagandists from the beginning, but his quote is so accurate about how the, the mainstream press works. The press is terrible about getting you uh, to think in a certain way, but it is very good at telling you what to think about, to get you to focus on certain issues. They still have that power. Mm. Now, yeah. Shout out uh, uh, Chomsky fucking manufacturing consent. Yes. Yes. Just shouting that out. It's like, uh, yeah. It is amazing that we live in a world where Chomsky and Keating are a unity ticket. It's cool. It's just. That's what Keating Keating is. It's amazing. He's he's Trump if he wasn't a retard, and he's Chomsky if he had an ounce of flavor. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Chomsky's quite pessimistic. I was calling, I called Jordan because I was really getting into Chomsky recently, and I'm like, I think we're already dead. We should all just start fucking in the streets because it's too late. He's very pessimistic. Yeah. I was listening but to anyway, I didn't want to cut I was you listening off. to the uh this guy from I think it was Australian Institute. Um it was with this American um policy wonk slash security guy. And the security guy, like he was like raising all of his concerns about the China containment policy. And the secu- the American guy said, Why are you so afraid? Why don't be afraid. Like we're we we've got this. We're gonna handle this. What are you scared of? And even though this guy by no means was Paul Keating and was saying, but he did say something which is, I think should, is the brass tax of the greatest risk of this entire thing. He's like, I'm not afraid of fighting the war with you. I'm afraid that you're going to lose and you're going to go back thinking that that was a failed project and we're going to be screwed because this is where we live. Mm, that's the worst. That's the worst scenario because look, Nuclear war, sometimes we say, but no, to fast. get to nuclear it's, war, it's, it's, it's it, there's a lot of steps. But a conventional war minus nuclear in the South China Sea is definitely possible. And if you look at America's track record, they always lose these wars that are far away. Yeah. You look at Vietnam, you look at uh, uh, Afghanistan, you look at Iraq. They always they don't have a good track record. And when they do... They can fly away back or sail on their nuclear boats, the four or five that would be left. Actually, the f- 50s that would be left of their arsenal, and they're going to go back to freaking San Diego and protected by oceans on both sides and, you know, Mexico and Canada. But we're going to have a fucked up trading system in this entire area. Mm. 
Mm. What? No, yeah, like, what are you going to do, man? What are I, you gonna I hate... Do? But again, I'm just very, very grateful that Kevin Rudd is, and he's always said this, Australia should be the conductor between China and the US and being this advocate for sanity between the two. It's too late, man. I'm so grateful. We're not that advocates. I don't we're think part it's too of late. the insanity now. And it's Yes, we're part that. of the insanity. That's And we true. weren't part and of the insanity with Orcas. We've we've been part of the insanity for the last three or four years. Yes. And uh yeah, now we're part of it. So we better win, which we won't. I mean the odds are we probably we will definitely win against a repulsion of an invasion to Australia. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But we my 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 thing is we're not going to win that South China Sea battle because no. that's their front door. Yes. It means a lot more than them than it means to the US and secondly to us. Mm. They're mm. going to fuck they're going to fuck over and if all of these Asian countries they're going to be petrified and they're going to become neutral. Mm. Unless you've got a aside from maybe Japan, these countries are too small to like actually participate in this war fully. And it's it's just it's bad, bro. It's bad on every level. It's bad yeah, policy. Terrible. It's bad defense strategy. Yes. It's like it is what it is, I guess. Yeah, but a lot of bad things happen all the time. Well, I mean, but we try to avoid them, you know. Yeah, we try and avoid them. It's just like <laughs> I, I think it's too pessimistic to say that the war is inevitable and no one is an advocate for sanity. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Look, uh, we we need to discuss one more thing. Uh-huh. Because today when this pod is released is election day. Mm. Now, can I ask Miss Love, who are you voting for? <laughs> I believe I'll be voting for the... Uh, what's, that, what's that dude's name? Uh, guy who made, like, tin, tin spaghetti. The Dick Smith Party, if he's still running. <laughs> <laughs> is he still running? And if he's not, no vote. <laughs> <laughs> Did he ever win? Did he ever run? Sorry. Yeah. Many times. What are you talking about? Oh, really? Oh, him personally or his party? His party. Yeah, of course. What was the it called Dick again? Smith party. The Australia is good party. Something like that. Yeah. But Can't I think remember. he ran... No, sustainable Australia. Yeah. Look, honestly, I think a sustainable Australia was a pretty good party. Yeah, it wasn't. I'm, I'm not even... I'm hardly joking. I honestly wish that sustainable Australia was the Greens party because I think if you're serious about environmental conservation in this country and this is something everyone's always saying you're a labor fanboy yeah mad twitch as always <laughs> coming up with your own words that's great <laughs> but no one thing that all the parties are completely in line with that i think is utter insanity is the migration rates and the environmental pressures that puts on this country and sustainable australia was the only party that was saying over and over this is wrong. We should not be ramping up migration like this in this country. But anyway, they're not going to be yeah, a thing. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, are there, are there, are there in, weed party? Can you? Can, have a weed party? can the are there independents in state parties? Yeah, state of course things? they yeah. are. But like, well, I know that's throwing you vote away. Are you no. both saying you're not going to vote Labor? No, 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 no. Look, I, 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 I was just asking if there's independents, and there are. But obviously, I don't want to throw my vote away. So. I'm going to vote Labour, although a technical residence is not in 
my region right now, so my throw my my vote will literally be throw, thrown away where I'm registered. Except in the for upper me, house. I probably should. Oh vote. yeah, not that thing. Jordan, actually, I've got a question. In in an electorate like mine, which is liberal, safe liberal seat, there's an independent, and obviously Labor. Do you think I should vote strategically independent in hopes that the liberal gets unseated? Yeah, absolutely. Even though they won't. Yeah. That's more strategic, is it? Like a teal or something vibe. Yeah, like if you have a teal running in a liberal seat, you should vote for the Shit, teal. maybe I'll do that then. You should vote for the green if they're running in a liberal seat. The problem is a lot Except of- for in the South Coast. See, this is the whole... Look, teal if it's a liberal. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, but the thing is, the greens oh, don't. Greens. They, run in, they run in Labor seats. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's no there's greens Sometimes they run in Liberal yeah. seats, yeah, what I about get it, But the vast majority of their resources are pulled into knocking Labor what if it's a, what's a What if it's a Nationals seat? What should I... What should you, you should be voting for the Independent. You should be voting for Shooters, Fishers, whoever has so, a chance of knocking them out. So not Labor? Well, Labor has no... Well, actually, Labor has a chance in a couple of seats. I think you know... I don't want to dox myself, but you know... You know the seat I'm talking about? Yes. In that seat, you should be voting independent. Really? In Coffs, you should be voting for the independent. She's got a chance against Gurmesh Singh, the king of blueberries. <laughs> uh, but probably not going to take that's it. That's the but worst a kind of king. If you're the king of blueberries, that's right. not even the best fruit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're pretty good. Though. Speak for yourself. Yeah, I don't know about that. But uh, so you that's reckon actually so the most controversial thing. So you thing reckon, look, here. I'll quiz you this later, but you reckon independent. I should vote independent. So you're not even kidding. That's Where? I, you know where? In your seat. Coffs. It's not Coffs. You, you are not in the seat of Coffs Harbour, Miss. No, but I, I'll i just tell you off here. Uh-huh. Let's go. I don't want to dox myself. Ah. Okay. What should I vote? There, actually, you should vote Labour. It's a national stronghold. So yes, but there's the a place that you vote oh, also okay. has pockets of Labour that oh, could okay. so you reckon- swing, but... Almost certainly won't. But but that's better but than you know, Actually, there's a, I was reading some analysis today, and it was that ever since you know this liberal government, this liberal state government has sort of come in, the demographics have really changed. And if you divide, if you divide New South Wales in generations, I'm, I looked at Sydney, so I'm going to talk about Sydney. The number of millennials voting have actually doubled. Mm. And the way the demographic goes is if you're Gen Y, like our generation, you're most likely living in the suburbs of Sydney, right? Southwest, western suburbs. If you're a boomer, you're living on the periphery of these suburbs. If you're Gen Z, you're living in uh, inner west city center areas. And if you are Gen X, the richest of them, you live in the eastern suburbs and you live in uh, Post Point and those kinds of areas. What they're saying is that this state election, the suburbs of millennials, because they're the largest in number now, considering golden generation is dead, boomers are aging and reducing in numbers. It's in fact our block that is going to apparently call the election. And our block is majority labor. So even some of those safe uh, seats in suburbs of Sydney, they might be going to labor this time around. And every pollster within the margin of error are saying that the swing towards labor is big enough for them to get a majority easily. I hope you're right. I have been privy to internal polling where they show me two weeks ago, if the election was held, labor would be getting in on a majority. 
Then my yeah. shinning kicked in. That's right, it did. <laughs> Never doubt. I know, kids. I'm scared too. <laughs> Never doubt. <that. laughs> Never doubt the shinning. <laughs> it really scares me. And every time you ask him to do an impression of someone, you ask him to do Dave Hughes, it's so scary. His eyes roll into the back of his head <laughs> and he's just always going, my kids, my kids. Do it, hey, do guys, it. it's Hughesy here. Do it, do it, do it. Um, Give us a go. Of uh, Hughesy. Fuck. I'm too amped up right now. Um, well, I think that's what you have to be for Hughesy, yeah, right? that's true. Um, all right. <clears throat> but this is pressure. like one of those psychics um, that can bend spoons in their own living room and then when they're on national television, they embarrass themselves yeah, and yeah, lose yeah, their yeah, career. Yeah. Um, <laughs> everyone's saying... <laughs> Everyone's saying vote Labor, vote Liberal. What about you vote for the fucking Dave Hughes party? Honestly, I'll vote for... I'll tell you, he's my, he's my main policy, right? Make the sausage rolls two bucks instead of three fifty. There's inflation right there. It's <laughs> actually very good. <laughs> I can always imagine when he's doing it, because his eyes roll in, that Hughesy is on air on his breakfast radio show, and he's saying, Yeah, so I was caught in traffic, and... Husey, <laughs> Husey, oh god, he's gone catatonic. Someone call an ambulance, and he doesn't even know that his soul's left his body. And then his eyes go back when Miss Love stops doing the impression and says, "And tell you what, the M4, it was so brutal. Are we on for an ad now? Oh, the radio show's off. Time flies. So I'll, <laughs> so I'll keep talking. Fuck it. Fucking spaghetti night." Can hate it. <laughs> Sick of it. Uh, Wouldn't it have to be every Tuesday? <laughs> Can we start a roster? There was I having, time to cook. Rich. Having said that, I almost got convinced voting Liberal though, because in my electorate this time, the Liberals have put a new candidate, and she is. Uh, I think her her name's Muslim, so I don't know if she is. I don't want to say if she is or she isn't, but her name is definitely that, and she is kind of like. Wog, I suppose. You but they put up posters around my area saying shit like, uh, get Muslim scum out of here. <laughs> and I, I, yeah, true story. And I don't know who put it up. Oh, shit. But I was watching, like, you know what? I'm going to vote for her now. Yeah. <laughs> and then I realized. So you're uh, getting mugged at the train station. <laughs> probably. Ali, that's not very patriotic of you. Not very patriotic. No, that's pretty patriotic. No, it is. Well, it depends. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which yeah. side is he on? That's what we'll. <laughs> find out this election yeah. but i have a feeling that labor might not be responsible for that maybe it's that guy who's uh, an independent and his his main entire platform is that the vaccine now has like that 5g tracker in you it's fucking uh it's and fucking, he's running in your city it's dick smith yeah. it's dick smith putting the poster up he's like fuck it has to be shed yeah. <laughs> uh, i'd still vote for it <laughs> but yeah I'm, I'm chalking this down to my shinning continue they were showing us the polling and they were saying look at where public sentiment is Two weeks ago, it was all in Labor's strongholds, which is health, education, privatisation. That's what the public was concerned about, environment. Now the public is concerned about economy, getting things done, building infrastructure. Those are all the Liberal, even though it's bullshit, but that's what the public thinks. And those are becoming the important issues of this election. That is what's scaring me, that it's looking like it could be a repeat of 2019. And this is especially scary to me because no one knows this and I have to unpack a lot of stuff to get to the point, but 
The reason that Labor lost in 2019 was because of Keep Sydney Open and the Greens. There, I said it. Now, I was saying this in the pre-show. You could sign up to of the Patreon. Keep Sydney Open? Yeah. No, but okay, you elaborate enough. on the Greens aspect that you were mentioning on the pre-show. The way to look at it, when people always say this, they always say, why are you hitting the Greens? Well, go listen to any pro-Greens podcast, uh, you know, channel, anything like that. Uh, the ABC just constantly airs Green's talking points. So does the uh, Sydney Morning Herald. And why? Because they know it hits Labor. It hits it from a different angle and it splits their vote and it keeps them out. And then people always say 80% of preferences go back to the Labor Party. What about the other 20%? You think 300,000 votes in squeaker elections like 2016 and 2019 wouldn't have helped Labor. Put aside all the brand damage they do with things like Adani, which we've been saying on this podcast for years. Oh, turns out, as we found out a couple of weeks ago, it was a lemon and it's going to collapse because it's not financially feasible. Who'd have guessed? We did right here. That's why Miss Love passed the university degree <laughs> in fly colours when he went there on a misadventure. Thank you very much. Because he understands... That's a bolt of it. Anyone who's <laughs> smart knew that Adani was going to fall and Labor approved it because they knew that it was going to fall and they want to actually, unlike the Greens, win elections instead of seats. That's all the Greens were doing. They, all they care about is increasing their vote margin and picking Labor seats off. So they go out, they run a protest a week before the election in Canberra the ABC picks it up and says, yeah, Labor is really weak on Adani, while the Murdoch press sits there, hits up northern Queensland with so weak on Adani, they're not approving it fast enough. And that fucked Labor in Queensland. That and the tax scare campaign. Those were the two things that really hurt Labor in 2019. 2019 rolls over. Not only do you get a bunch of uh, coal mines approved that would have been blocked under the Labor Party, um, you also get, and then I know people are saying like, you're still opening up gas wells, you're still opening up. Not anywhere near the same quantity that was happening under the Liberals. Nowhere even close. And they're approving all kinds of crazy shit like the Clive Palmer one, that Tanya Plibersek block. They're actually putting in the environmental strict standards to stop most of those getting up. And then the Greens sit there and go like, oh, they opened up seven gas wells there. Shut the fuck up. Like, it, 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 like huge things like that didn't happen. Also, you had uh, the Liberals... Approving their uh, what was it their their, their gas led recovery that was a once in a lifetime opportunity to restructure our economy around renewables because that's the opportunity that COVID afforded. Instead, you got seven billion dollars investment in gas. Instead, you happy with that? Of course they are. The Greens are fucking happy with it because they might have won an extra seat in Queensland and it turns out they didn't anyway. They got another three years of that. You had a prime minister that did fucking nothing during the bushfires. Wow, what a win for the environment, guys. You got another three years of them almost allowing so much water theft that the Murray Darling nearly stopped flowing. Wow, what a win for the environment. That was what was happening on a state level as well because John Barillaro was the one that wasn't policing any of the water theft, was allowing the water theft, was approving all of these massive mega cotton farms. Such a win for the environment, guys. No policing on pesticides. Uh, Brazil-level land clearing for another four years. Just winning all the time. What are they doing in this election? They are a do-or-die seat for Labor because... <laughs> They need to make a nine-seat spread. Huge, huge ask, especially when you have the media against them. South Coast, 
uh, incumbent liberal leaving once in a generation opportunity for Labor to pick up that seat. The Greens decide, oh, actually, I think that we could win this because of our bullshit polling that's extremely optimistic. We're going to put in our own candidate down there. Split Labor's vote. Split Labor's vote, there is not a chance in hell that they're picking up the South Coast. Watch me now, I'm going to be wrong, they're going to pick it up. But, like, you know, they, they had a very good chance of winning it and now it's a fucking, you know, chance in hell that they might pick up that seat. What happens then? The Liberal candidate gets to entrench himself for another four years in the South Coast, becomes a new permanent member of the South Coast. Another generation of the Liberals down there. What a win. Uh, now... When you're saying, oh, yeah, that, that, you know, 80% preferences go back to the Labor Party, which is bullshit anyway. Is on it? a state level... Is it bullshit? I mean, it's true, but, like... Th- it fractures just, it. It can fracture Like, 300,000 votes is a lot of votes, especially when you're talking about those two elections that were determined by a few thousand votes. Mm. Uh, on a state level, guess how much the Greens vote eats up? 50%, nearly. Nearly one in two. Nearly one in two votes for the Greens do not go back to the Labor Party. Gone. Out. Trashed. One in two. How? How do they Because there's not optional preference. It's optional preferences in New South Wales. It's not mandatory preferences here. Oh. So to get their own little gains, which is all they do, you... Listen to any media outlet that they have. All the, the Greens ever talk about, all it ever is, is shitting on Labor with bullshit little talking points like their little Adani campaign or something like that. Uh, you know, amping up their base of arts curators and stay-at-home mums and shit in Balmain. Uh, just being like, yeah, yeah, I should have a say in the Workers' Party. I've never worked a fucking day in my life, but I should have... Uh, you know, the, the, the clean-child cutthroat on the party of all of these nurses and cleaners and train drivers. I know what's better. I know what's better for those cunts. It's just like, you know, all these fucking Labor delegates that devote their entire life to working their way up in the Labor Party, doing the right thing, or in, in, even better through the unions. No, I should have the final say on everything. Me, me, this Balmain mum that started up a clothing shop or some shit like that me i'm i'm the real champion of the plebs um again because their voting base this is something that nobody knows about the greens their voting base is the richest voting base in the country they just larp and play themselves as these little socialists having their little che guevara moment we're going to change society and while they do that you know who they hurt every election the people that actually keep societies running your nurses, your firefighters, your teachers, another four years of those cunts having their budgets cut, their uh, departments privatised, all of these workers getting laid off. That's why New South Wales had such a worse response in the bushfires than Queensland and Victoria did because we didn't have the frontline staff, let alone the frontline know-how, let alone the hoses. We didn't even have the money for the equipment to fight these things. Damn, you're right. All Queensland of that does have the hose. Yeah, <laughs> but doesn't so 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 is the situation that when the Greens get votes, sorry, and then with yeah. Keep Sydney open, Keep Sydney open was two percent of the vote. Didn't even try to get their uh, voters to preference Labor. Didn't even try. So that's two percent virtually gone. Just independence, just gone for nothing. 
for nothing but because thought, a bunch of inner city fuckwits were like, scenes change. It was way better <laughs> to be in King's Cross. That's the that's the election defining issue when we're talking about the Murray Darling becoming functionally extinct. I can't go out. I mean, I can, but like, it's you know, not as fun. I, I can't. Yeah, it's not as fun. <laughs> But when the Greens do, when the votes go to the Greens, I thought it'd be, isn't it a situation of like, you would think logically if there's a policy that Labor's voting on, the Greens go, well, we want more action, but obviously pragmatically we'll just go with what the Labor says. But they don't do that. It's like a protest vote. They do. This is, is that what the happens? worst. They've had their cake and eat it too. Because <sighs> I still... Th- in the Labor, in, in on a federal level, what were they running on last election? 75% reduction in carbon emissions by 2030. Wow. That's almost 10% a year. That's possible. But did they that's, vote? That is such a... But did they vote read, against Labor? When, huh? Labor's, when Labor said these are our percentages, did they go, all right, whatever? No, they did their same thing because they know they fucked it in the ETS and they'll never admit to it and they have all of these rationalisations for why they did it. You read and listen to their rationalisations for why they voted against the ETS and they will openly admit that we voted against the ETS because we needed to show our constituents that we were willing to walk away from a bad deal. First off, lie. It wasn't a bad deal. We would have a price on carbon and even more importantly with the ETS, we would have uh, an industry set in place whose entire job in the private sector was thinking of ways to reduce carbon. It would have nurtured an entire new industry. And as we're learning from COP24, 5,000 or whatever we're up to now, we are learning that governments can only provide about 5 to 10% of the investment needed. There is 90% investment in the private industry that you can unlock very easily by just allowing bank loans to be easier. These little quick little changes in just like you can apply for this loan instead of this loan, you can unlock heaps of private investment that's happening. You know, but, but and that 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 was part of the genius of Kevin Rudd's ETS as opposed to the carbon tax that they forced yeah. Gillard to introduce. But what I'm- what I'm, what, and then yeah. Tony Abbott could run a scare campaign on it and get zero action on climate change for the next 10 years and they still won't admit to it this day. And you can believe all of the propaganda from the Greens or you can go and listen to a few bureaucrats talking about how pissed off they are that the ETS wasn't passed and they'll just demolish all of the arguments that the Greens have about the ETS. So, demolish so what percentage do at what percentage do the Greens vote with Labor? Huh? At what what percentage generally do the Greens vote with Labor and what percentage do they vote? I'm not sure, but they get these key little issues like that where they agree with the 43% reduction because they're not idiots. They're hard political strategists and they're looking to increase their vote all the time. They'll agree with it because they fucked the ETS. They agreed to the 43%, but they sit there every time and say, it's a shit target. It's a shit target, but we agreed to it. So we're being pragmatic. So they've got both leeway, right? But the thing is, with the 43%, it would be a miracle... If Australia gets 43% reduction in eight years, again, because of their inaction for the last 10 years that the Greens bought us, right? Uh, But, like, we're talking about just... We're not talking about politically. We're not talking about, you know, coal keeps the lights on or whatever. We are talking about just basic mathematical engineering. Eight years, you would have to have an engineering revolution in this country to get that level of... Uh, renewables into the grid and with all of the transmitters and everything in place. Like, in terms of building it, is near impossible with our capacity. We're not talking about money here. We are talking about people that know how to do this actually putting this stuff in place. Practically, 43% is a heroic 
target. But that's what they're doing on that. So they're always just selling the public all of these bullshit things on a state level. And we were having this big argument at Friendly Geordies, but I'll make my point about it. On a state level, the fact that the Greens are sitting there putting up on all of these billboards, we're going to freeze and cut your rent. You, your five Balmain mums in Parliament, you're going to do that. You're going to go up against uh, a monopoly that is almost entirely privately owned at this point by just like a few, three or four Blade Runner corporations. Uh, You're going to go up against them and you're going to say, we're freezing and cutting rent, are you? Now, you might be able to freeze rent for a small period of time. It happens in pandemics. It happens in the Depression temporarily. It also happens where you don't have the monopolistic concentration that you do have in New South Wales, again, because as the Sydney Morning Herald so succinctly put it, allowing the Liberals to, quote-unquote, finish the job. As we were saying in a previous podcast, when I was looking for a house, one of the people came up and showed us and just pointed out all the suburbs, and you just see it, it's so Blade Runnery, just that suburb, and you see every building, Mirriton, 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 that suburb, Lindlease, Lindlease, Lindlease. Three or four companies just own suburbs, and they're just portioned out, ironically, like Monopoly board squares. There you go, that's my Monopoly board square, that's mine. That was all zoning and approval. And then the Greens are coming in and they're selling you this wonderful miracle diet shake cure that they're going to just cut your rent like that. That what you do not undo 10 years of Liberals stacking every development board, putting loopholes in every law, scrapping most of the laws, concentrating a bunch of private powers that used to be state powers into uh, these development approvals. You cannot fix that overnight. I'm awfully sorry, but if you allow the Liberals to win by voting for all of these shit uh, snake oil salesman parties like Keep Sydney Open and the Greens, and on the other side, uh, One Nation and uh, United Australia, you literally pay the price. Mm. You can't undo this. This is the real world. Yeah, but like mm. to be fair to them, I don't yeah. think they actually intend on doing any of that. They just know they can get away with it because they, they won't ever form government. So they can always pretend, oh, well, if we came into power, then we would have done all of this shit. But because we're not... But I'm just wondering... Exactly. You know? And they always just get to sit on the sidelines, so like some drunk in an NRL match yelling about how if they were the fullback, they would have done these moves. This, this is my message to the Greens. <laughs> Don't even worry about fixing the mortgage crisis. Just legalize weed already. Like, just... Yeah, small, small goals. Yeah, small yeah, ambitions. Yeah. But I'm just, I would just like to know the percentage at which the Greens vote with Labor... In Parliament and against. I'm curious, but I guess I can. Well, I'm sure we, we can find that out. Yeah, but yeah. I've never. I'm not advocating it. for it. I'm just saying. I'm just curious. I'm just curious because. But you again, know, like that, that's what happened in the last election. They bought them another four years to do all of this shit. And unfortunately, I remember what talking. What do you mean? You're saying all of these awful decisions that the Liberals do. Like these things happen slowly. You don't turn into Blade Runner overnight. That was happening over 10 years. And as we walked out the other day and you just see all of these new apartments everywhere with these lights. And you're just like, this is a fucking dystopia. Well, apparently that's the biggest issue of the election. Yeah, but there is no wonder cure to this. And the only thing that Reddit always sits there and says, oh yeah, like the freeze and the cut. Yeah, we're just going to get the freeze and the cut. There's really not that much difference to that and Clive Palmer Dude, promising freezing worse. 3% interest rates. Like, okay, I get it's a reserve bank decision and there's no way that Clive Palmer could do that. That's a complete lie. And the, and the Greens is like, you know, theoretically possible. Yeah, in theory, communism <laughs> works. Like, it's one of those things. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, but also- it's, it's a lie. It's, right. it's, the, it's just... 
It's a wonder potion cure. It sounds it's, like a band like The only too. difference between these tonic salesmen is you don't like the yellow tonic. You don't like the orange tonic. You like the green tonic because it's, it's targeted to you. Hey, I like the red tonic, and that's what you're supposed to do tonight, today. Go vote Labour. Unfortunate colour. Don't vote <laughs> Greens for all the reasons that Jordan gave, and definitely don't vote Liberal. But before we go, uh, I've got a little uh, request. Jordan, can you help me out on this? This relates to shirt designs. Oh, of course. Sorry. Yes. Guys, we need more shirts designs. <laughs> Send them in. We've See got you like next week. 50. No. Yeah, but we need new ones. Oh, yeah, yeah, old. Yeah, so yeah. if you've got any friendly Geordies designs, we'll send them, them in, especially theme. if they're bruise related. And I highlight that bruise related, not the other word that I'm not allowed to say anymore. Yeah. So um, <laughs> it's that time of the year. We want to, hey, do you want to make some money on the side? And are you a graphic designer or someone that can make some kind of a design for us? Send it through to podcast at friendlygeordies.com. And if you are selected, then. Uh, Toot, then you'll toot, get some money. It won't be a lot, but it'll be some. And you get a chance to uh, meet Jordan. For a dinner, one-on-one. That's not true. You won't Guaranteed. probably do that. <laughs> you won't do that. Just you like the greens freezing and cutting your rings. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I will get him to talk to you if you decide it's good. Anyways, see you guys next week. Hope, uh, have fun today. Enjoy Democracy Christmas. Enjoy the snags. Bye, guys.